Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to say a massive thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby, who support us on Patreon at the Rainbow Parent level. Uh, so incredible. Thank you so much for all of your support. Um, if you would like to check out our Patreon, which has a bunch of different perks, including queer watch-alongs, our Discord that's exclusive to patrons, and a bunch of other stuff besides, then check us out at patreon.com forward slash the queer movie podcast. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I am Jazza John. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is Queer Mystery. I love we made it a question. Very coordinated. Today, we are going to be talking about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. This is the latest in the Knives Out series of films. It is the second. Uh, It's still a series, though. It counts. Uh, And it's starring Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc and Hugh Grant as his housekeeper. But before we don our mesh face masks, Jazza, what's the gayest thing you've done since the last episode? What a great question that I actually hadn't thought about until you just asked me it You did now. give me a short Christmassy candle-related anecdote earlier, which I think is a very good option for Excellent. You. Thank you so much for knowing me better than I know myself. <laughs> uh, so, as you know, I have now moved to New York. Hello, it's, I'm Jazzo. I live in New York. Incredible. And I, on my first weekend, attended... It was the one up to Christmas, and attended a lesbian candle white elephant where Stunning. I went to the Union Square Christmas market and asked one of the people on the market stand to give me their gayest candle because it was for lesbians. And mm-hmm. I asked, what do the lesbians want? And she went, sage. And she was right. And she, she was, was right. Correct. They veritably fought over that. Notorious. I, Notorious for the I sage. Know. How about you, Rome? Well, I accidentally got a wolf cut in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> and go on I basically I just was like oh can I get slightly shorter layers than I did before and then she really went hard on the like the front of my head with the short layers and then just continued until the back was like a bit straggly mm-hmm. so I was like oh wow and oh, she no. was like ah, it looks like a wolf cut and I was like it is one um, not what I asked for but I was like I guess it makes me more you know Gen Z gay So oh yeah because the blue hair wasn't enough yeah no sure. so Jazza currently is looking at me slightly puzzled because I've been wearing my hair in a bun yeah. this entire time, so he hasn't seen it. I haven't been George. able Shall to block it. Oh my god, check it. The reveal. I mean, it's slightly greasy, so it's... Oh my god. <laughs> and my hair's just a bit of a mess. I, you look great, um, but it I'm does gay. increase your lesbian. Yeah, it yeah, really yeah, does. Yeah. So I think I need to figure out how to like style it and work with it and get over the um, panic and stress of having a haircut <laughs> I didn't think I was going to have. I was like, yeah, keep the length. If that didn't happen. But it does make me more gay. So that's mm-hmm. my gayest thing from this month. Excellent. Good job, us. Thanks. We will first be chatting about the gay of this film, how they marketed it as such, and also the inherent queerness of the mystery genre. We will then be reviewing the plot and splitting the film into three acts, of course, as usual. Obviously, we will be spoiling all of this movie. You know, feel free to watch and come back to us when you've seen it. I would recommend that. I like this movie. Spoiler alert. But um, also, it is a murder mystery. So, like, <laughs> like if you... if you Some movies you could w- listen to our explanation and then go watch and be like, wow, I feel like I've had uh, an entirely whole experience. But uh, we will be giving away 
who did the murder. So um, it feels like maybe watch it before we give that away to you. Excellent. And so without further ado, let's get online and play a quick game of Among Us with Angela Lansbury and review Glass Onion. So we have had it confirmed by directors, cast members, the gossiping classes of the movie elite, that this film is indeed about Benoit Blanc, who is confirmed as a gay. A homosexual. A veritable homosexual. So we found this out just before it was released in the run-up to Christmas this year through a load of the media PR interviews that were happening around the movie with... uh, I first found out about it listening to Radio 4 in the morning because I'm just really engaged with politics, where Daniel Craig was being uh, interviewed and they just had a quick conversation about, oh yeah, it was it was just really obvious that Blanc was gay because he's... Uh, Does wear some neckties. Wears... Neckerchiefs. Neckerchiefs. <laughs> loves a neckerchief um, and is a bit eccentric. And it has been described and talked about by the cast members and Ryan Johnson, the director, as when they thought about showing a little bit of Benoit Blanc's home life. It was obvious, quote-unquote, to them that this would be how they were going to code the character and that it fit really, really well. I was first excited Mm -hmm. and then worried Mm -hmm. because this feels like a narrative, a trope, a way of discussing the queerness of a movie that we have seen with many, many films Mm -hmm. in the past when... If you blink, maybe you miss it, but it's very important to the marketing of the movie that everybody knows that this is now queer or has a queer character in it. This is, indeed, Turn the Die Coined for Mm -hmm. a long-ass video essay that I made a couple of years ago, Queer Catching. Queer Catching. Mm, And they really did it. Hey, they caught caught this queer. (laughs) They they caught you. I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, but... Yeah, of course. And I would have anyway as well. I am very conscious that when, especially Ryan Johnson has done interviews around the home life of Benoit Blanc. He wants it to be kind of like a Poirot where you never really... The the personal life of the detective, of the main character in the mystery, is never a focal point of the story or the narrative. They are the vessel through which you experience the unfolding of the story. And that makes sense for this genre. But I feel like the... I feel like the problem here is that if there is... uh, This is like a a, a queer-coded character made for a a Chinese audience where unless you know that that scene, and it is one scene Mm -hmm. where Hugh Grant opens the door for Daniel Craig, they aren't even in the same scene together, you would not know that they are a gay couple. Yeah. And I feel like we were... We've been conned a little bit. What do you think? I kind of agree with you. I think that especially within this genre, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit in my context section about the like queerness of the detective genre. But I don't think it's a coincidence that so many people that I've seen online who didn't see the interviews that were done beforehand that Mm -hmm. I think were done partly in order for people to like get that this was a thing from the beginning and for there to be like no Mm -hmm. doubt when they go into the cinemas. People who hadn't seen those interviews um, or those discussions beforehand fully thinking it was a Holmes and Watson situation. Mm-hmm. Right? Fully my thinking. parents, who had seen none of the... I watched this the first time with my parents. They had no idea. Um, uh, they didn't clock that as a as a 
queer character at all. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I, I would agree with you. I think also it's interesting because I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with, like I've seen interviews where they essentially ask like, oh, did you know that he was gay when you first like auditioned or mm-hmm. during the first movie? And Daniel Craig was like, no, because mm-hmm. he clearly wasn't. And that it was something that came between movies when they found out they were getting a sequel or mul- maybe multiple sequels mm-hmm. and that Ryan Johnson was like, okay, I guess I've got to figure out who this character is outside of these like, elements of it Mm -hmm. potentially he had that thought in his head but he clearly never said it to the actors Mm. and i think that i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with deciding to flesh out a character who you thought was only going to be in one movie or one season and then being like ah actually i feel like i've realized something about them Mm -hmm. that i can include i haven't really thought about their backstory or their personal life but now it's making sense to me but i think that then only giving us this like one ambiguous scene is a bit strange to me. And I think that 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 thing that you said about, okay, this has to, you know, the detective's personal life can't be the focal point and everything. Mm. You can have that and also have made it explicit that they were gay. Like he, his character, Hugh Grant's character calls Benoit Blanc Blanc, like Mm -hmm. his, by his surname. Yeah. It doesn't even like, the smallest detail, if he'd have just said, instead of being like, there's someone at the door for you, Benny, or even like, mm-hmm. to be honest, I would have preferred like an actual term of endearment mm-hmm. because he's Honey, very British. Sweetie, darling yeah, is a classic yeah, yeah. British one. Mm-hmm. If he'd have just been like, there's someone at the door for you, darling. Yeah, that would have made no difference to the scene. Mm-hmm. It would have given you no more or less information, but it would actually have confirmed it. And the problem that I have with the scene as well is it feels sandwiched in and kept mm-hmm. in just for the sake of queer coding. There's the concept in Western film storytelling where every thing in the movie is meant to move the plot forward mm-hmm. this does nothing to move the plot forward and there uh, it isn't even that Hugh Grant's character is a minor character that doesn't really do anything because there are other minor characters and secondary characters that we see in very brief scenes I'm thinking about Dave Bautista's mother for example mm. who's literally in just like one funny scene but tells us something about um Bautista's character moves the plot forward yeah. and like is actually has a function Hugh Grant's character has no function in mm-hmm. this movie whatsoever and so it feels like something that is just dropped in and it's literally two seconds yeah of the movie that we you literally i worked the first time i watched this i was um tired and falling asleep uh and i literally missed it because mm-hmm. i i nodded off for like 30 seconds and yeah. missed the scene yes mm-hmm. agreed one of the things i've really enjoyed is all of the other queer coded stuff Mm-hmm. about Benoit Blanc that people have found and then turned into memes. His fabulous, like, Grecian flag. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> romper. Romper, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> when they get this medicine shot into the back of their neck and he is the only one that doesn't have a gag reflex. Yeah, classic. Uh, all brilliant, brilliant moments. Uh, do How do the gay the gays and the mysteries and the, the detectives, how, what, and when... Thank you for that incredible segue into my <laughs> bit of the context, Jazza. Um, so I think that we can't talk about this sort of detective genre and, you know, men cohabiting without talking about Sherlock. Like I've already mm-hmm. mentioned it. And and that's, you know, Sherlock, notoriously of the BBC version, is like one of the most prolific fandoms mm-hmm. on the internet for something that only had like two episodes. Um, <laughs> sure. Like it's because it had this like tension and because it was clearly being like played around with and Mm -hmm. like some people might argue queer baiting was involved Mm -hmm. um with the show where you have this kind of very close very caring loving relationship between these two characters but then the potential of them being romantically linked is referenced in text quite Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. for them to just like awkwardly deny it or to get flustered about it or you know anything like that and so i think that 
it's not unusual for people to be able to see this subtext of like two men who are very intensely involved in the work and in their personal lives who kind of complete each other in terms of it's never just that one of them is able to solve it on their own. There's always like a, a some mm-hmm. element that this other person brings, whether it is to, in the case of Sherlock and John, to give them some kind of like grounding element, to give them appreciation where they have had scorn before from, from outsiders, which again is quite queer coded. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's not a sort of a surprise to me that a lot of people who already see the queer potential in Sherlock Holmes and John Watson, for example read this as being very mm-hmm. queer mm-hmm. but then the other side of the coin is that it doesn't surprise me that the people who don't see Sherlock Holmes and John Watson as queer coded don't see these two as a couple mm-hmm. because it is so like he literally opens the door having in the middle of cooking uh-huh. after like sort of slightly nagging Benoit are you in the bath, the bath again yeah. like it's it's very much that kind of energy that could be a, a spouse or it could just be you know a classic British butler <laughs> scenario. Um, uh, really cool. Yeah. Just yeah. friends, mm-hmm. especially because it's clearly during lockdown. So it's like, well, people were cohabiting people for all were sorts of reasons. All over the place. They love to pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's, I, th- I don't think that it's completely like the first time we've seen this kind of potential queerness crop up, but it's the first time that we've had. Other than some indie projects, so there's a, a short film, a short Sherlock film, which is like specifically queer, mm-hmm. which is on YouTube, which I can recommend to people to search that out. But um, in terms of the big retellings, like it's not really, mm-hmm. it's, it's often actors will talk about like, not often, but sometimes actors will kind of hint at the subtext or they'll do like a nudge and wink element to it, but it's not necessarily been explicit. And I just wish that this had actually done more to have it be completely unambiguous. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that with Ryan Johnson's idea of, oh, we just wanted a tiny hint at his backstory mm-hmm. is really good cover for not having to make this explicit Um, because people can hear that and very reasonably be like oh yeah that makes sense you know a lot of these you don't know a lot about their backstories although I would argue that because I think there are I think that's a load of rubbish there are a lot of backstories that come in Mm. Sherlock even Poirot like Mm -hmm. we've had uh, backstories about Poirot absolutely especially in the more recent movies and his kind of history as a soldier and so it frustrates me that they don't necessarily see that there is a very particular way that you need to deal with queer stories that cannot, if you want them to be genuine representation, Mm. deal with ambiguity Mm -hmm. because of the history of queer coding, of queer baiting and of queer catching. You cannot deal with that ambiguity and for me be seen as like authentically trying to do representation as opposed to smattering it in in a way that can be removed or can be like missed by people. I have a theory why, because I think that there is, especially around the Murder, She Wrote series, there's mm. definitely kind of like a big queer following to that. And oh, yeah. It's, and Sherlock is like another example of that as well. And I have a theory that it celebrates the outsider. Oh, absolutely. Because in all of these series, the detective the, or the investigator is brought in as the outsider who then is celebrated because of their outsider status. Okay, I agree with you. And I'm going to add two two different detective, like, kind of couples mm, mm-hmm. who should have been gay together. Oh, excellent. One is, and in the original script, were partners, Hot Fuzz. Oh, oh. Where originally... I didn't know that. So originally they weren't partners, but there was a love interest for, for Simon Pegg's character and they were given to Nick Frost. Got it. And so there is this this idea of like, that is a love story. Like these two, mm-hmm. this is so easily a romance story if you had just pushed it slightly. Mm-hmm. And um, also Rosemary and Time. 
Oh my God, Rosemary and Time, I yeah. hadn't even thought Those about. Those two lesbians, they yeah, need to. Definitely. They definitely are. Their, their obituary says she stayed, mm -hmm. she lived with her longtime friend yeah, until exactly. old age. They owned three cats. Yep. Yeah, solved garden related murders. Oh together. my God, I haven't even thought. I need to go back and watch Rosemary and Time really? now. Anyone who's joy. not British will have no clue what no that is. No idea. But basically, it's just two, two women. One's like an ex police detective and her gardener friend. And for some reason, they're always solving garden related murders. There's yeah. so many murders. It's always happening. like the second. <laughs> Tears or the, the hoe or a plow is yeah, used like in the murder. They, they, they were like doing the gardening for some big manor house and like a statue fell on someone. Yeah. And, and like the knowledge that the gardener has of like particular herbs and like <laughs> so, plowing so techniques gay. always comes Ooh, into the it. Sage. it just, <laughs> the sage. The um, sage. So I do think, I think you're absolutely right. I think that outsider status, that like it's us two against the world, mm. the idea of you having this like particular knowledge that other people don't have. There's like loads of little bits that really lend themselves to queerness. I just wish that it was like explicitly made part of it so that mm -hmm. it couldn't be literally fell asleep for two seconds and missed it. Which is literally, again, literally what happened. We might get that in future. Um, I hope in so. future iterations, it sounds like this is going to be. They're going to continue making these. I guess they're called knives out mysteries yeah. now. Benoit Blanc mysteries. I think they should. Just I be Benoit will Blanc. not rest until Daniel Craig has been in enough of these to eclipse James Bond. I want people to refer to like his big. They'll be like Daniel Craig, known for his big franchise work in Knives Out. Like that's what I want. That's oh, my for me, dream. It's, I'm sorry. It's for me. It's he's always the love interest in Tomb Raider. Okay, you know what? That's also fair. Thank you so much. <laughs> he, he really was a queer awakening for me. In in his own little way. <laughs> the good boy. Shall we go in and actually talk about this Let's movie? Let's do it. So we are introduced... Should we do like a breakdown of the suite of characters in this? Or at least oh, the there are characters. so many of them. Yeah, we'll do a very quick rundown. So we have... We don't really need to do an introduction to Benoit Blanc. Um, he needs no introduction, Chatter. <laughs> literally. So Kate Hudson plays a... Uh, a successful fashion model who has now become an influencer who has a sweatpant business that blew up during lockdown. Then we have Claire, who is played by um, Catherine Hahn, who is was Angela all along, that actress. Uh, Agatha. Agatha all wow. along. Uh, Angela uh, Lansbury all Angela along. Lansbury all what a along. twist. It was. That was the overarching twist of the Mercury Road stuff. Who plays a... Congresswoman or senator? Politician. Politician person. General politician person. Dave Bautista, who plays a men's rights activist Twitch streamer. A bit mm -hmm. too close to home there. Thank you very much. We and have... then Madeline Klein plays his girlfriend, question mark? Like, suck on that, feminist. Who knows, like, arm but... candy, whiskey. Yeah, which is what I want to call a child that I have at some oh, point. Okay, we need to stop you procreating. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we have Lionel, who is a clever science person clever science yeah clever science leslie odom jr plays lionel um, uh janelle monet then plays andy slash helen we'll come to we'll that come twist to that later. twist uh, um, and then finally jessica henwick is peg uh, mm -hmm. who is birdie's sort of long suffering assistant mm-hmm Loyal assistant, I think she was described as in all of the marketing. Who's leaned in too too hard to to Birdie's to Birdie's career, and then finally the man who's trying to bring them all together, played by Edward Norton, is a guy called Miles Bron. 
Miles Braun is the Elon Musk of this movie. Yeah. I mean, he's just Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, people have commented on this, but I also love the fact that Ryan Johnson must have been seeing all of this shit with Elon Musk pop off and being like, Excellent. I cannot believe that I made this movie at <laughs> such a specific time mm-hmm. that it's being released just after all this Twitter nonsense has happened. But essentially, Miles is this like billionaire, genius, founder of this tech company, Alpha, that's incredible. This movie is set during COVID. Mm-hmm. Specifically, May 2020, which I love. Yeah, actually, because I don't. I think many productions that happen during lockdown have tried to maintain continuity and make it and make stuff that doesn't reference the fact that it was made mm-hmm. in uh, lockdown. I really like that we have kind of like. I guess this will be. This will eventually be a period piece. Well, what's what's particularly interesting to me, so this is like a classic setup of a murder mystery, right? It's like mysterious invitation. Everyone gets this invitation to come to this private island, like mm-hmm. absolutely classic. And this invitation is this series of puzzles and this invitation box. And all of these people do know each other. Oftentimes mm-hmm. when, when people are invited, it's all strangers. Yeah. But in this one, they know each other. So they all just call each other and they're like crowdsourcing the the solving of this puzzle. Mm-hmm. And eventually they get to this invitation and they all decide to to show up. And it's what's really interesting is that you get a little hint at all of their characters. You see them mm-hmm. in their everyday life when they get these puzzles and how they choose to solve it or whether or not they have like sort of intellectual smarts or social smarts or not, as the case may be in a lot of cases. <laughs> and then we get almost like a microcosm of that exact rundown again when they arrive and you see what kind of masks they're wearing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Which that. I adored. So it was like Benoit Blanc is wearing this very fashionable mask which matches his outfit, very mm-hmm. cute. Ne- um, matches his neckerchief made yes, of the same exactly. material, but actually probably not very... Um, it wasn't like the right level of mask for... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Although it was in May, so at that point it's like, I guess yeah, that's what we use. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lionel, the scientist, is using the actual proper yeah, medical mask, mask. Medical mask, and it fits properly. Claire, the politician, is wearing a mask that does have ways of adjusting it, but she simply hasn't, and so she's constantly having to pull it up. Yeah. And it gave me, like, the ick, because I was like, oh, I... I've seen so many people do that. Like, that mm. is a thing that I have witnessed of people essentially wearing a useless mask because it's constantly falling down and then yeah, it sort of yeah. makes, like, a slight effort to pull it back up again. Mm-hmm. And you've got Peg, who has a disposable medical mask, mm-hmm. which, considering that she's flown in with Birdie, who is wearing... Who's literally wearing, <laughs> f- like, a fishnet on her face. Which um, was... A bejeweled golden fishnet. Mm-hmm. I loved this as a... Like, you learn everything about the character. We've also had a nod to this when they're on the phone to one another and Birdie is solving the mystery... The, the, the mystery box, like, in the middle of a party. And um, somebody goes, Are you at a party? And this is lockdown. And Birdie goes, Oh, yeah, but they're all in my pod. And there's, like, hundreds <laughs> of people around her. It was um, very, very good. Which I love. But I, but I think, like, people have pointed out the fact that this... So this flesh mask is obviously a reference to uh, Lana Del Rey's yeah, identical yeah, mask. Yeah. But Peg having a medical mask... A lot of people suggested like she was at the party as well and wasn't wearing masks. So it looks like the kind of mask that you'd be given if you hadn't got one. And someone mm-hmm. in like the airport or like was yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to wear this. And yeah. she was like, okay, I guess. So she puts it on. It works fine. But Kay Hudson's like, don't worry. I already have one. And then yeah. pulls out this bejeweled <laughs> one. And I think that this is all like really just so. And then obviously like uh, Dave Bautista's character and like Whiskey are wearing no mask yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mental um, activist. Incredible. Also, Andy turns up, isn't wearing a mask, which I think is interesting because I don't necessarily think that that is a comment on her like 
COVID awareness or interest because she is also a scientist. Mm-hmm. I think it's more the idea that she wants this entrance and to everyone see her face. Sure. Which makes even more sense when you know about like the mm-hmm. twist afterwards that this big sort of like it's me moment happens because we do see earlier on that character is wearing a mask when she goes to Benoit and all this stuff. So it's clearly like a thing that she does normally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's our rundown of characters and and them getting to this dock where they get met by Ethan Hawke, who is (laughs) playing Miles's assistant in one scene just to spray them in the throat and be like, don't worry about COVID, it's fine. No masks mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. Implying that there is this, uh, you know, billionaire is figured out. Yeah, there's this throat shot vaccine thing yeah, that he's, he's like, to do. I'm just going to keep this to myself. I remember, what was it at the time? It was like hot water. You were meant to drink lots of tea and that would Ooh, kill the yeah, COVID. Oh yeah, that would kill the COVID. Good time. I have called this first act, by the way, don't worry, they're in my pot. Oh God. Mm-hmm. The, it was just enough COVID. Because then when they're on the <laughs> island, it's yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, we they figured, literally are in a pod. We, we did this, it's fine, you're in a pod. But mm-hmm. um, I, did, I really love that. And one of the other things we get at this point is we see Benoit in his home life. Oh. Uh, for a scene. We flash uh-huh. back to the scene and find out more about it. But we see him playing Among Us. Again, just aggressively pandemic vibes. <laughs> um, with some celebrity guests. I'm obsessed. So, uh, Angela... Mm-hmm. Alda Ange, Ange Lansbury, oh, okay. Sondheim, because mm-hmm. why not? The, the gay, Sondheim. the gay clues are really adding yeah. up, um, <laughs> which is fun because there's also like connections between them as well as to like just Benoit knowing all these famous people because mm-hmm. they are playing themselves. They don't seem to be playing like characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so like Angela Lansbury was Mrs. Lover in mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd, for example. I'm very gay, so I knew that. Um, and. <laughs> Also Natasha Leone, who is going to be in Ryan Johnson's next project, which mm-hmm. is a detective show. So she herself is like playing I can't a detective. Wait to I'm so see excited. That. I love her so much. I can't believe she's straight. What a I know, what a waste. Right? And so we see him like in the bath. He's clearly at, at kind of odds with himself because he he can't he clearly like at this point, there's no mysteries to solve. <laughs> Everyone's inside. There's just he's the mystery in, of the beta variant. And he's going slowly crazy. A copy of Kane's Jawbone is on the floor. Of course, I knew that you were going to notice a fucking book reference. Which is so funny that he's like solving Kane's Jawbone because he's like so bored. And he's got his like laptop in the bath and he's got a little fez on. Mm -hmm. And he's just the absolute classic picture of like the detective. You know that he's a prune from the belly button down. Oh, truly. And needs, he's like, I need a case. Like again, a classic start to a detective (laughs) like uh, story. And so he also has gotten one of these boxes. Mm -hmm. And so we get to the island and what we think is a classic story of everyone's been invited by Miles to play this murder mystery to solve his murder. Ooh, has a little twist in it because we find out that Benoit was not actually invited. Mm -hmm. So he has got this box. He's just rocked up. World's most famous detective. World's most famous detective. Mm -hmm. So someone has given him this mysterious box who is it? We could, who will, we maybe we'll never find out. We mm-hmm. will find out. And so uh, the detecting begins as they all get onto this island and mm-hmm. well, start to. Well, Miles is very excited about the, the happy accident that Benoit has arrived because what he has planned later on the island with all of his guests is a murder mystery party. Well, this is it to solve his murder. It almost looks like it's, it's deliberate that he's invited the most famous mm-hmm. detective in the world to come to his to his party but we soon see if he can solve this this crazy mystery written by Gillian Flynn which was I laughed so hard at that line (laughs) Um, uh, let's just say it doesn't last very long Mm -hmm. but there is also another 
wrench in the plan. What's a metaphor? Another... Uh, well, now I... Another brick in the wall. Another, another, <laughs> another kick in the teeth. Another kick in the teeth uh, for Mars. <laughs> There's another thing that's a little bit off, which is that Andy, Cassandra Brand, or yeah. Andy as she's known, also has turned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess people didn't expect to happen because she there's been recently been a court case, it turns out, yeah. where that Miles has won, um, where he has proven that he is the rightful CEO and owner of this big company, Alpha, and that he came up with the idea for it. Uh, and that Andy, in fact, has kind of been ousted as the kind of ex-CEO. And so they definitely didn't think she was going to turn up at this fun little island. Mm-hmm. They were like, why Why is she here? This is awkward. We all used to be friends, but she... Uh, and every, and everyone's Ugh. kind of like doing little jabs at her, being like, yeah. she didn't have calm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, this that. is very weird. And I think also we get the scene that we've seen her in, everyone else, when we said everyone had been solving the mystery together of this puzzle box, the only two people we kind of don't see really doing that are... Benoit, mm-hmm. we don't see him opening his box at all. And Andy, who we see in like a towel in her hair, um, just smash it up. Just smash this box to hell and to get the invite out of it, which I very much enjoyed. And it turns out that towel in the hair, I was like, very specific choice to have. I was like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Towel in the hair. Uh, it's actually very relevant later on. In the movie. Is it? Yeah, because she's, because her hair, you can't see whose hair it is. You can't see, oh. you don't, you need to not know which twin it is. Oh, that is clever. Okay. So they go up to this glass onion, after which this is named like mm-hmm. a bit. It's, it's literally a glass, a onion. glass onion. Or a glass chestnut. And figuratively. Yeah. And they're getting ready for dinner. Before that, we see a couple of conflicts that are seeded. We start to think as a viewer, could they? But we know a murder's going to happen. Could they mm-hmm. want to murder Miles? So Peg, the assistant of Birdie, is really worried about a PR statement about this the sweatpants that is going to be released Mm. we don't know too much about that yet and we also see that whiskey the girlfriend supposed girlfriend flirty person of of duke of duke played by dave patista the men's rights activist uh, is is doing some big flirting with Miles? Oh dear! So maybe there's some kind jealousy. of jealousy, like jealousy happening passion. there. So as they're sitting down for dinner, we have, of course, a nice long monologue from uh, Miles where he shows off the fact that he has rented the Mona Lisa for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no one's uh, in the Louvre. That's shut down. Yeah, literally, no one's Get in the Louvre. Get over to my place on Private Island. Uh, and we are shown that it has a really sensitive safety mechanism so that even when somebody's phone goes off, it all shuts down. But Miles has managed to convince them uh, to build in a safety release to just turn the safety mm. glass off. I wonder if Chekhov's Mona Lisa will be Chekhov's coming. Mona Lisa <laughs> will be coming back soon. He also reveals this. There's there's too much, too many layers to this film, but I guess that's kind of the whole point. The onion. The, I, the onion. Many, and you just can't see the center. There's this new technology that he has called Clear, which is going to provide limitless energy, apparently, but it has hydrogen. The science guy and the politician lady are worried about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit. Hey, what if the fuel was made of hydrogen? That seems safe. And they keep on saying Hindenburg, because uh, obviously hydrogen is very flammable. So- this is where we go into act two for me. Yeah. So, dear listener, um, you may have been thinking... 
while you've been consuming this podcast. Wow, this seems like fun. They're just joking around about a film that they enjoyed. I would love to do that too, but you're not entirely sure how to get into podcasting. You're not entirely sure what goes into it, what you need, what other typical like pitfalls that you have to avoid. Well, Multitude is offering classes for podcasters by podcasters for people like you. You'll learn from weekly instruction, hands-on homework, and lots of valuable feedback from your instructor and classmates in our online classroom. We are starting out this first round of classes with three different classes that you can take. They all have very fancy titles, so here they are. Number one, sustainable podcasting, refining structure and workflow so your show works with you by the wonderful Eric Silver. Uh, we also have podcast mixing and mastering for non-engineers by Brandon Grugel and how to make a living as a digital creator by Amanda McLaughlin. Truly something for everyone. You've got your structural work processes, you've got your technical audio stuff, and you've got your making a living, like getting rid of the bullshit financial stuff as well. So maybe your news resolution was to, you know, try new things. This might be a great way for you to kick off 2023 by working on a new project, or would be a great gift for an aspiring podcaster that you know. You can learn more about the dates, curriculum, and technical details, or just go and register today by going to multitude.productions forward slash classes, or checking out the posts on the Multitude social media feeds. And just before we get back into the episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor yet again, Squarespace amazing returning sponsor to the podcast. If you are looking to build a website for yourself or your business, Squarespace is like all in one place. Everything is there. It's the only thing you'll need to do just that. You can use it to build the site, obviously, but you can also do things like set up an online shop or connect with your audience. We use Squarespace to make the Queer Movie Podcast website. Um, I used it to make my own personal website. So I, I'm a loyal Squarespace user for a number of reasons. One, I have things constantly going on. I have a load of projects that I need to link to in the site and to talk about on the website, uh, including all my social media platforms. And Squarespace lets you not only link to your social media, but also connect it so you can display posts from your profiles on the site directly. There are also analytics and insights because sometimes it's great to dig into a bit of data. You know what I mean? So if you're someone who wants to like grow your brand, if you're wanting to build a website for a business, uh, then it can figure out, you know, where are you getting your site visits from? Where are sales coming from? What keywords are being used to find you? And all of that stuff is so useful. And they also have really exciting features like a donation function. So you can encourage donations on your site for a cause that you care about. As much as I might wish to be an artiste, um, I simply am not. And so the designer function, is an absolute lifesaver, which means that you have like templates that you can follow. It's very easy. The people who are actually good at design have done the work for you. You just have to slot in all of the stuff that you need for your website, uh, including making sure that the website doesn't look like uh, rubbish on mobile that is taken care of for you automatically, which is very useful. So if that sounds like something is up your alley, then check out squarespace.com forward slash queer movie for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code queer movie to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, back to the show and the glass onion. That also is where I'm going into act two. We've kind of got this set up in act one. We know all of the players. We're starting to get some of the conflicts and it's time for the murder mystery itself. And it's solved in about um, 20 seconds yes. by Benoit Blanc. I was really excited for this because I was like, 
when a scene like that happens and a character is being smart, mm-hmm. you know it's either going to go really well or really badly for them. And mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't know whether the kicker was going to be that he's saying all this, Benoit's saying all this stuff and then he's wrong mm-hmm. or that Benoit's saying all this stuff and then he's right. And I think that this is where we get a sense of like how Ryan Johnson and the and like wants you to feel about Benoit. Mm-hmm. Because I think that in the first movie in Knives Out, he has this element of cluelessness because we not to, I'm going to spoil anything for Knives Out, but we as an audience are not following him as a detective yeah. in that movie. We are following a different character. And so we see how that character is messing with his investigation mm-hmm. and how many things he misses. Mm. And he does eventually figure out the end. But I feel like coming out of that movie, I was like, well, it wasn't his movie. So I don't know how we're meant to necessarily feel about him. Whether we, whether we are meant to believe he's very competent mm-hmm. because he does seem to have solved all this stuff, but we've just seen him need a load of help to solve it. Yeah. Or whether we're meant to to think that he like needs other people and he's a bit full of himself and he has that arrogant detective element to him. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was a really interesting way of being like, no, he's just some he's just some guy who really likes mysteries. Like he's really excited about yeah. the fact he yeah, solved yeah, it. Yeah, he's yeah. not necessarily trying to show off, but it's like his this thing he's excited and proud well, of. Well, also we've had that built up of, over he's just like looking for any kind of detective mystery solving stimulation. Yeah, and he and he's so excited. He's like thanking Miles for how mm-hmm, like exciting mm-hmm. this was and like oh my gosh like yes this is amazing i found all your clues like thank you so much this is to him is like really exciting this was not the energy that miles was hoping that that mm-hmm. would happen at this particular murder mystery he mm-hmm. kind of thought it was going to take all weekend to solve and then even then maybe they wouldn't and he manages to solve it actually before miles is fake killed which mm-hmm. is incredible truly a triumph we we love benny yeah and miles stands there with the look of a man completely defeated and then <laughs> the mechanism in his chest that is meant to show the the fake blood come out splurts all over the table yeah. a moment that i really really enjoyed uh, and his face is just blank the entire time with yeah. uh, outrage a blonk if you will <laughs> wow yeah so there's a big fight around Andy, Janelle Monet's character. People are really pissed off that she's there. It all comes to a head and we see her storm off into the other parts of the the resort that they're at, I guess. Then suddenly Duke, who is the men's rights activist, he collapses after taking a sip of his glass. Everybody starts to kind of like point the finger at Andy. They find out that Duke's pistol is missing. He's been carrying around this pistol, mm-hmm. shooting it off because he's a men's rights activist. And then suddenly, because Miles thought it would be a good thing when they were doing the uh, the murder mystery, all of the power goes off while there's absolute chaos. Blank goes outside to find Andy to tell her kind of like what is happening because uh, she's she missed all of this. She's, she's missed like all of the drama. Else. Yeah, the the death of Duke, and then somebody shoots Andy. Yeah, she collapses to the floor, and then and she dies. Well, sure, she, in quotation, she dies. She quotation as far as we're concerned at this she's point, she's dead. dead. And then we go into a really long extended flashback sequence. Yeah, Blanc's mm-hmm. like. I know who killed Andy. And you're like, oh, okay, he's doing it again. Mm-hmm. Round number two, baby. This is real. Yeah. Um, or is it? Yeah, so this is really interesting because there's also, like, again, these little scenes that come up where we're just learning a little bit more about the characters. So, for example, Miles makes everyone their special drinks mm-hmm. with, like, glasses which have their name engraved on it, mm-hmm. apart from Peg, a.k.a., like, the worker who he gives a red solo cup to. <laughs> and then Peg writes her really own name it. on it in yeah. Sharpie later on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, Peg. Which is just this idea of, like, the kind of contempt that he has for mm-hmm. people who are, like, 
below him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It just reinforces asshole status. Yes, truly. Yeah. We also have this scene where he makes this speech about being a disruptor. Oh my god! Because yeah. they I know too many of these people oh, who unironically make those speeches. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Because they talk about being disruptors, and again, what's the thing that links us all together? What are the? F- so he says about the idea of like you know it's okay to you know maybe someone will be brave enough to break a small thing, and then it like you know people will get behind it because they want to see that thing mm-hmm. broken, and then you break more things. But are you going to be the person that breaks the biggest thing that people are going to hate you for? Mm-hmm. Mm, like, it's almost like, like it's almost like oh, the finale of this movie is going to be that exact thing <laughs> and that potentially mm. Andy slash Helen is going to be revealed as the actual disruptor who did break the small thing and then it, we'll get to that later yeah. but yeah we have these little bits that might be foreshadowing and we also see a little bit of uh, walking around uh, and Snoopy Snoopy snooping we that might be other happening with Benoit alter- yeah 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 exactly and then, yeah, as Jess said, we get back into a flashback to reveal what the hell actually happened. So, Andy's dead. Uh, yeah, spoiler, spoiler, guys. Not, not on the steps. Not uh, on the she steps. She actually died a while ago. Yeah, she's been dead a while. Um, everybody said it was suicide uh, and it happened about a week before the trip. But of course, she has a twin sister. Helen. So mm-hmm. the twin sister then goes to Benoit Blanc because he's a world famous detective with one of these mystery boxes in order to get hire him to investigate her sister's death. We then get a flashback in a flashback as Helen... Oh, my brain. My galaxy Andy. brain. As is Andy. Just, no, no, no. So Helen tells Benoit Andy's origin story yes. with this group of disruptors. Yes. So Andy had this group of people, they were all down on their luck, all in their 30s, a little bit washed up, a bit close to home, all right? So let's <laughs> calm down if you want. And then she introduces Miles to the group and then everything starts to like slowly turn around and as things start to turn around, Andy then comes up with the principles of this company, Alpha, that uh, she lost the the rights to in this court case and that Miles is now the CEO of. Mm-hmm. Do you know what is on this napkin? No. So I was like, I know that I could pause it and try and read it, but people much cleverer than me will have done that and actually be able to explain whatever weird science shit is on the napkin. Mate, it's just buzzwords. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's like synergy. Um. So it says, free app, code a delivery, Exponential growth, worldwide accessibility, diversification, oh and then God. crypto scalability. Incredible. Crypto management, accessibility, scalability, development, timestamp, I don't know, and then manpower. Incredible. Yeah. And that's what this entire thing has been about. Uh, I just love the I just thought they chose to show the napkin, because they didn't have to show what was on the napkin. No, they didn't at all. At all. Incredible. Um, And so essentially, not only has she, like, Miles ousted her as mm -hmm. the CEO, but all of the people who are at this, like, all the original friends, they did purge, they did a perjury. They purged her. They purged her and they did a perjury Mm -hmm. in the court. They lied. Oh, oh, they purged, got it. Yes. That perjury. I don't know how to do verbs. They committed perjury. They committed perjury. (laughs) They did a perjury. Um, Where essentially in court they said that Miles had been the one that came up with the ideas Mm -hmm. for Alpha, that they all saw him in this bar, the glass onion that they frequented together, writing on this napkin. It was all Mm -hmm. Miles, 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 Miles. Because he clearly had power over all of them, whether that was bankrolling them, them, he'd helped them, and he also had the power to destroy them. So basically their greed 
kind of was definitely an influence in this. The problem was, and the reason that uh, Andy wasn't able to uh, to claim her rights over this company is because she didn't have the napkin. Didn't also, the napkin. she thought because after she lost the rights to the company, she ended up finding it in a bookcase. No, maybe, in one of her diaries. Yeah, maybe Probably she in one should of her have diaries. like had a flick through them. Yeah, she should have looked through some of her previous works. And she ends up uh, finding it, doesn't take a photo of the napkin. Oh no, as evidence, that would have been mm -hmm. useful. She puts the napkin in an envelope, then takes a selfie with the envelope, not the napkin, and then sends that email to all of the people saying, hey, guess what I've got? You're all fucked now. And because of that, we uh, that is why she's dead. Um, yeah. uh, it was it was said to be suicide, but essentially someone put her in her car and turned like blocked up the exhaust and so Frey kind of like staged it as a suicide but Helen her sister is like convinced mm -hmm. knowing that she had like almost won mm -hmm. that she could turn all this around what why would she do that it doesn't make sense she must have been killed mm -hmm. Benoit ends up convincing Helen to go to this private island dressed and disguised as her sister. Mm -hmm. because Despite the point, fact he says they're probably going to try and kill you, I can't be held responsible. Um, <laughs> because uh, nobody knows that her sister's dead at this yes, point. Other she, than mm -hmm. the killer who will know, as Benoit points out. Of course. As soon as she turns up, it's going to be like, this person is going to know that you are not this person because mm -hmm. they know that they've killed you. And then we then see the first part of the movie from Helen's perspective. Mm -hmm. So she's going around finding motives and objectives for each of the people there on the island and finds legitimate like motives for everybody who is there. So everyone could have wanted to kill Andy. And it's also very funny because sometimes when we re-see what's happened earlier in the movie, we just pan out slightly and she's just been there the whole time. Yeah. So when Benoit was snooping, she Hiding was just snooping between behind a different bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I really enjoyed. And also we've seen that she makes a reference to the fact that like, you know, the motive means opportunity, mm -hmm. like a little grid. And she says, oh, this is really like Clue. You must be really good at Clue. And Benoit's like, I hate that game. It's I'm so bad at dumb things. Like I, <laughs> like all running around, like mm -hmm. ticking boxes. And that's like exactly what they end up doing yeah, during yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. and that she really helps with and mm -hmm. I think that again this is a pattern that happens within like Knives Out and this one where he's sort of helped by this woman who almost is like more competent than him in a lot of ways or like mm -hmm. seems to like catch connections or like but he's not trying to take credit mm -hmm. for those actions he's like if he solves it himself like he does with the original Gillian Flynn murder mystery mm -hmm. he's excited that he managed to do it but if he needs to rely on someone else it's not like a Holmes Watson situation where Holmes is just like, I'm so much smarter than you, Watson, go fuck yourself. Yeah, um, he's like, you're actually quite good at this. It's like, yes, yes, let's work together. So like the fact that he immediately ran when the lights went out to try and find Andy mm -hmm. slash Helen mm -hmm. is this idea of like, he does have this genuine sort of care mm -hmm. and he does actually care about like, he's not going to lie to her about it being dangerous. He's going to like all of these things to me, I'm really like the move away from the sort of either hard boiled detective or the like, uh, emotionless genius or like all this stuff. I like the idea that he's allowed to be like caring and just like a nice dude. Hearing you say that reminds me of the Doctor Who Doctor Companion relationship mm, oh, that often happens. And I quite like right. that he's getting... That is the energy. Yeah. And I think that 
this is what seems to be developing with Benoit Blanc as like a character, and hopefully we get to see that as that as this continues, where he has an assistant that kind of like cycles in, and they all they've all so far brought something that he lacks, yes. um, and like complements him, and that's something that you see very often with the Doctor Who kind of mm. like energy as well. Oh shit! Now you've cracked it. You've cracked the code. I've cracked the code. <laughs> so we get to the point where Helen, as we now know, has been shot. We thought that she's dead, but no. Of course, a pocketbook stopped the bullet. Classic. What the fuck was that pocketbook made out of? You know, Andy's diaries. <laughs> well, they hold many secrets. They fit. Napkins. <laughs> um, bulletproof hardened outside. I thought for a second she just wore a bulletproof vest because she was like. The people yeah, would kill me on this island. Why sense. would I not bring a bulletproof vest? I'm not an idiot. Mm -hmm. But instead she was like, don't worry, the diary will protect, my dead sister will protect me. And so we realise like they discover the motives in the little flick book. Yeah. And all of them seem to have had a motive to, to kill Andy, to get rid of Andy. So like clear this energy source. The hydrogen energy source. Hydrogen energy source. Like yeah. it needs to work because Lionel, for example, the scientist mm -hmm. has sort of backed it within... Mm -hmm his work for the company. Claire, the politician, has agreed to like build a factory for it um, within her, her constituent area. Mm -hmm. We have this PR statement that we heard about earlier from Birdie is about the use of sweatshops mm -hmm. within the company, which leads to the incredible exchange between <laughs> Birdie and Peg, where Peg's like, wait, do you think sweatshops are where they make sweatpants? <laughs> and Birdie looks at her like, yes. And do Peg's like, Oh my God. To be fair, if you didn't know. That might be what you assume. You're like, oh yeah, they said that they were going to use sweatshops. It just made sense to me. Yeah. And so there is, you know, Miles has put money into this company and is making Birdie take the fall by doing this PR statement. Mm -hmm. Duke is like seeing that Miles is his YouTube channel, getting together. His YouTube channel is dying. And he needs to dying. be taken up. He needs to be basically be put on Alpha News. Yes, he wants to get in, get into the news network. Yeah. And Whiskey's like trying to persuade Miles for that to happen. But mm -hmm. he does, like, if you know, if he crosses Miles, then it's not going to happen. He needs to try and prove himself. Mm -hmm. So all of them have this motive to like prove themselves to Miles by taking out Andy, who's going to be this really big threat because she's about to expose the napkin for real. And so yeah, it all just it, it's all looking uh, not uh, not like an easy solve if if we're looking for one motive from one person. Yeah, exactly. This is where I ended the second act. Yes. And I don't think we named the second act, but just in case you didn't guess, oh. it was the party and its aftermath. Yes. I mean, long-time listeners of the podcast will know this is always an act. New-time listeners, every gay movie that you ever watch will have a party and its aftermath. Mm -hmm. We will find one. One of them had had every single actor yeah, was a party and its aftermath. It so it'll um, uh, And then I, actually, when you think about it, isn't life just one big party and its aftermath? Sure. Think about it. Think yeah. about it. My final act, I've called the reveal, because this is the that classic. Was yeah, very inventive of you. I know, thank you so much. Hey, I did really well on the first one. So Helen's not dead. They fake her death. So she puts hot sauce on her chest where yes. the bullet wound where would blood have been. would be. Everyone's like, oh my god! Another Chekhov's hot sauce again. There's Chekhov's a lot of little, hot sauce. There's a lot of little. Chekhov things. was everywhere in this yeah, movie. Yeah, truly. There's mm -hmm. a lot of just little random things that crop up as like a little joke that you're like, okay, this is gonna be relevant later. But it's interesting to just find out how. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, of course, the hot sauce is blood. Why not? As everybody goes back into the glass onion, Andy 
It's snooping in the office. It's snooping in the office. Oh, yes. Well, it's Blanc snooping is in the office. like, let me reveal everything yes. to you people. Blanc starts unpacking everything and reveals that... Duh, 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 it was miles all, all along. along. For both bloody murders. For both of them. For both the murder of Andy and Duke, who mm-hmm. I'm sure you've forgotten about because I had at this point. So who, he's the men's rights activist. Which is said every single time. Yeah. I think that we remember that Duke is the men's rights activist at this point. No, I, I wouldn't want to assume. So Miles knew that Andy had the napkin because it turns out he uses fax. Again, Chekhov's fax machine. Um, and his faxes Chekhov's come simultaneously fax to every fax machine that he owns all over the world. Mm-hmm. And he got the email faxed over to him. So he's like, okay, well, yeah. And that's, again, the glass onion, it's so obvious. There seems like there's layers, but it's completely transparent. Yeah, obviously the one who was going to kill it. Not, not some second person who was trying to do it for Miles. Mm-hmm. Miles just did it. Mm-hmm. That was just Miles' thing. And again, Chekhov's <laughs> blue car. <laughs> it's nothing. Which means that the reason why he called Duke is because Duke saw Miles leaving yeah. Andy's. And at the time, obviously they don't know Andy's dead, so mm-hmm. Miles wouldn't necessarily have thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. But tells Miles at the party just before he dies oh my God, there's a news article on his phone. Yeah. Says, oh shit, Andy's dead. Mm-hmm. And Miles knows it's just a matter of time before Duke's Also like, check off Google notifications. Truly, yeah. again. <laughs> oh, everything always coming full circle in this movie. Um, and so Miles is like, think quick. Uh, I got to get rid of this guy who's the witness to mm-hmm. seeing me drive away from this house. The only person who saw me in my extremely ostentatious car mm-hmm. and put some uh, put some little pineapple in his drink. That's and Duke doesn't fuck with pineapple. He doesn't fuck with pineapple. He literally fact, dies with pineapple. deathly allergic to pineapple. <laughs> I don't fuck with pineapple, but it just makes my mouth feel weird. You know what I mean? I Wouldn't kill me. If I had said what I don't fuck with... would kill you just for future reference? A knife. <laughs> 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 a knife. Worried that that's for future reference, but you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll deal with it when that time comes. And also, Duke at this point tries to use it to his advantage and be like, "Hey, how about that Alpha um, News? Yeah. Am I right? Remember how I saw you driving away from a crime scene?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Miles poisons him with pineapple, takes Duke's gun, uses it to shoot Helen. He's like, "Well done, me. Double murder. Bish, bash, bosh. No, bish bash bosh. No, I'm very rich. No one will ever catch me." Yeah. So at this point. Helen has been upstairs and has found the the red envelope with the napkin, which is, was in, in, like hidden in uh, in Miles's office. Because he's walks, an idiot. Because he's an idiot, which we find out later as yeah. well. Helen walks down, takes out the napkin, and shows it to everybody. Has she taken a photo of the napkin? No. No. Has anybody? Why would anyone take no. a photo has of she important it evidence? To no. Um, uh, but she goes, "Ha ha! Look, the napkin that proves that my dead sister." came up with everything and then Miles goes up to her with like one of those blowtorch things and completely destroys it with with fire yeah this napkin that as we have as you have mentioned has some very important could never be thought of by anyone else scalable crypto scale that crypto Mm -hmm. um so essentially the evidence has gone against Miles Mm -hmm. and it's a very ransom from Knives Out moment again not to spoil that movie but I just have so what do you have? Mm-hmm. A burnt up napkin? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And everybody seems to be on Miles' side. They don't want to fuck with this. However, Helen then starts... It looks like she's just having a little bit of a... She's having a moment. She she's goes like, around, starts smashing this. all of the glass. I don't... I still don't really understand why she's well, destroying all the glass. if you remember the disruptor speech from earlier... Okay. It's like, first of all, you destroy a little thing. 
and right. everyone gets behind you. Hence right. why everyone suddenly is like, Starts yeah, going, yeah, fuck, fuck yeah. Miles. Sure. But when they, and then they smash, they just start smashing right. more and more. And everyone else is like laughing because they're like, this is fun. We're just destroying stuff for no reason other than it being fun. Whereas Andy, the like, uh, slash Helen, the actual disruptor is like, that bit in his speech where he says, and then you destroy the one thing, the big thing mm -hmm. that no one wants you to destroy and they'll hate you for mm -hmm. it. And it's the Mona Lisa. Cue the Mona Lisa. Yeah, so all of the Chekhov's release mechanism, Helen starts building a bonfire with all of the stuff that she's destroyed. Of course she does. Um, and that obviously triggers the Mona Lisa's security mechanism. So she throws some of the clear, which is the hydrogen stuff, into the bonfire, which then mm -hmm. gets sucked up into the vents and creates a big explosion. Everything explodes, everything breaks. Mm -hmm. Then it's not really a fire. The scene looks like it's three flamethrowers kind of like blowing either side of the Mona Lisa. And then Helen runs towards the release mechanism, shoves Mars out of the way, releases the mechanism, and then burns the Mona Lisa. And the That's Mona stunning. Lisa is now dead. I really like, so So the the bit that we missed out slightly, which oh. is interesting because again, it's like a Benoit Blanc Knives Out mystery. And we were like, we just brushed over the bit where he sort of like gave her the clear mm -hmm. in order to do Oh, this. yes, yeah. But I think that's interesting, right? That it wasn't like his triumphant ending where he's like, and, he, and I solved the mystery and that's the end. Mm -hmm. The ending is her getting this like vengeance. Mm -hmm. And so he gives her the clear, like puts it in her hand. And at first you don't see what he's given her. Although immediately I was like, pointing at the screen and my family were like, what What are you doing? And I'm like, I, in my head, I was like, Chekhov's clear. It's Chekhov's clear. <laughs> because earlier on, he'd been shown and given a nugget and he'd never given it. We'd never seen him give it back. Yeah. And so I was like, it's Chekhov's fucking clear. Benoit gives her Andy's, the glass with Andy engraved on it and says, all I can do, I, there's nothing I can do. Like basically implying you, the evidence is destroyed. And also this man is so powerful that he would get away with it. Mm -hmm. Like, so he gives her the glass and says, all I can give you is courage with alcohol and then gives her something else, the clear and like, and a reminder of why your sister walked away in the first place. <sighs> and then she obviously decides what she's going to do. And this again is really interesting because these movies are like, Benoit is not a detective who solves it and then gives it to the police. Like, ha ha police, mm -hmm. you're not smart enough for this. He's like, the police won't do shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like, the, the justice system is fucked. Like the police can kind of hang around, but ultimately like revenge and justice is a moral justice rather than like a mm -hmm. justice system justice. And a poetic justice. And a poetic well. justice. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to give you the tools for you to be able to create your own justice mm -hmm. to the like, well, the two women that he's kind of helped Marta and Helen. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly the same as kind of that energy where he's like, essentially, I'm going to leave now. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you from my point of view as a detective, like I believe you, but we don't have the evidence and there's nothing like this man is too powerful here is some tools that you might use to destroy him in another way, which essentially is like, there is almost nothing that will take this man down, but like the reputation of his big discovery that he has like killed this woman over destroys one of the most famous paintings in the entire mm -hmm. world and his own house. Like that's going to fuck his company. Like mm -hmm, that's going to mm -hmm, destroy mm -hmm. everything that he has killed for. And I like that poetic justice element of this, that it's not just, the end isn't just like, look how clever Benoit is. And Miles has been saying, like one of the things he says <laughs> as he's introduced earlier is, I want to create something that will be mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. And his name is Chekhov's slogan. Chekhov's <laughs> life goal. And then they just uh, smoke cigars on the beach. And then the final shot is of Andy posed like the Mona Lisa 
on mm. the beach with the like red kind of blood stain looking out with this look that again is that classic Mona Lisa thing of like is she smiling is she serious is she sad like which Janelle Monae does all of really the, oh well. so well yeah. and that is the movie that's do, do, do. that's the glass onion there are so many things like we need to stop now because otherwise we'll go over time we but are there were so time. many little <laughs> there are so many little details that people have talked about in this movie that like some of them i noticed and some of them i didn't so there's like paintings on the wall that foreshadow what's going on there's a rothko mm-hmm. which has been hung upside down because miles is a fucking idiot and like he's not even hung these like rich like it's essentially just like ryan johnson hates billionaires is the thesis of this movie mm-hmm, he just hates mm-hmm. rich people in general and i love that for him mm-hmm. there's also the fact that andy cassandra and helen are like two characters within the story of the trojan war and like mm-hmm. their story in the trojan war mirrors mm-hmm. what happens in the movie so like cassandra is this seer who is uh, has the gift of prophecy but is cursed for no one to ever believe her mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah that's literally andy being yeah. like can you all not see that this man is an idiot who's going to destroy everything? And everyone's like, no, we love him. He's mm-hmm. giving us money. And then Helen is, she starts the Trojan War by deserting her husband for the Trojan Prince Paris, causing the fall of Troy, essentially bringing down an empire mm-hmm. in the same way as her bringing down this like financial and tech empire of Mars Bronn. And I just really like just these little weird details that are almost like little nuggets of they don't mean anything to the story. Like you don't need to know them to figure it out or to mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to to but the depth to work out. Has. But the depth that it has is really interesting to me. So I think we're we're at the point at which we we're can, at rainbow flags. We're at rainbow flags. We are at the point that we are deciding how many stripes of the six striped rainbow flag we're going to give it and which colours. Mm-hmm. Jazza, what are you doing? Where, where are you going with this? What did you think of this movie? So I feel like my duty mm-hmm. as a co-host of this podcast yeah. is to think about this as a queer movie. Yes, I'm happy for you to do this that. This is the queer movie podcast. Yes. And I guess. <laughs> and on that criteria, it is it is a great movie. Yeah. I'm I'm not as into kind of like this genre as mm. you are, but I really appreciated this movie. It is a fun watch. I don't think it's as good as Knives Out. I, mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I have a bitter taste in my mouth around the queer catching, mm-hmm. and so I'm only going to give it two. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give it some healing. Mm. because that is supposedly that's kind of what happens with Helen when she comes back from the dead but not and I'm gonna give it some nature because it's got an onion that I thought you were gonna go with a beautiful private island setting but the onion yeah, also also beautiful nature. so those two colours are orange for healing and green for nature stunning I would agree with you if we're judging it as a queer movie mm-hmm. it really is lacking mm-hmm we decided to do it because of the conversation around it and because I am hoping that in future Knives Out Mysteries, we see more th- this will be more. like made yeah. explicit and we'll be able to look back at this and be like, okay, cool. This was like the first time we got introduced to like his husband and, you know, it got continued onwards mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. it is actually clear. So I would I would agree with you that like it it's very few, fla- very few stripes in that way. I, however, I'm going to give this like a four or five for just enjoyment mm-hmm. levels from mm-hmm. me. I feel like the ADHD for these movies, like it really vibes because it's like, hey, it's fast paced. There's not a moment where something isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go, let's go. And I love that. But I also think I was saying to you that I also didn't enjoy it as much as Knives Out as a standalone like mystery movie. Mm -hmm. However, I think as a next installment, 
in a series Mm -hmm. where we are getting an exploration of these themes and ideas that Brian Johnson seems to be having within these mysteries. And we are learning more about this detective who is like competent, but caring, Mm -hmm. who is wanting to empower the people who are on the side of injustice, like all of these elements without making it about him. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is fascinating. And so I think as a continuation of a series that might have more installments, this was great. This really feel like it furthered that mission rather than being necessarily as strong of a standalone movie as mm. Knives Out was, which I think is like uh, yeah. stunning. So yeah, I'm going to say of the ones I'm going to give it, Sunlight, it was on an island. Nature, there's an onion. Those are yellow and green. Yes, yellow mm. and green. Uh, we're going to go healing because of, yeah, the whole Helen healing mm-hmm. thing. We're going to do spirit because it's got that pep. <laughs> It's got that pep. Uh-huh. Um, and then if I'm giving like a nut, I'm kind of like four and a half to five, let's go with Harmony simply because people do die in this. So I feel like giving it life. So you're giving it everything but red. Yeah, life. everything but red life. Because cool. I feel like. That's really know, easy. Just cut the top off of your rainbow yeah, flag. That's all I need to do. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our Queer Movie Club where we do watch-alongs in our Discord every month. But that is the bare minimum. At higher levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with a curation of all of the gay shit that we find on the internet. Thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us on the highest Patreon tier. You are rainbow parents, and we are so happy to have your support. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, so kind. Please make sure that you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified when our next episode comes out. We have been Jazza John and Rowan Ellis. We're edited by Julia Shafini and are part of Multitude. Find more amazing stuff at multitude.productions. Thank you so much, my Dolens. Thank you, pod. <laughs> Thanks, pod. You'd be in our pod. <laughs> wow. Bye. Bye.